I really meant to tell Philip not to tell y'all to be seated. Because I'm going to tell you to stand right back up. (laughs) Philip, from now on, don't tell him to sit down at the end. I've been meaning to tell you that. Because we always stand them right back up for the scripture. If we could put that up on the screen. So what we're going to do this morning, instead of me reading and you listening and following along, we're actually going to share that responsibility. So I'm going to read some, and then you're going to read some. And, and uh, you'll see, after I read the first part, uh, it's going to be different. You'll be able to tell it's either going to be bolder or a different color. I don't remember how we did that. A little bit lighter. There you go. You'll see it's kind of italic. So uh, I'll read this first part, then you read. You get the, the idea. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. For he is our God. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this uh, psalm. Thank you for your word and for what you are going to do uh, in us and through us today with your word. We pray that we would all be open and receptive to your Holy Spirit changing us, making us more like your son Jesus. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We all have a, uh, a great variety of different motivations for living our life. We We have different things that we shoot for, that we strive for. But I'd say that a a great majority of human beings have something in them about working for the weekend. You know, we start the week, and and many of us, not all of us, but many of us see Monday as kind of, uh, you know, another Monday. But when we get, you know, midway through the week, we say, oh, it's hump day, We're, we're halfway there. And then when we get to the end of the week, TGIF, thank you, God, it's Friday, and we're excited for that weekend, and we look forward to what we're going to do, and we have our plans. We know, usually before before the weekend comes, we know what we're going to do. If it's nothing else, then we're going to do nothing. You know, we've got that plan, and we're excited about doing nothing. But oftentimes, we have uh, set events, things we're going to go to. It might be a concert. It might be a, a movie. It might be a ball game. It might be something we, that we're going to sit there and veg out and stream 12 hours in a row of our favorite series. But we know we've got something that we're going to do. But it's interesting to me that while we often plan those things and prepare those things, those of us who are believers, even though if you were to ask day by day, what are you going to do on Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning, afternoon, night, if we went through the schedule and if I checked what you were going to do, almost every one of us could say, I plan, when I got to Sunday morning, you would say, I plan that I'm going to be at church Sunday morning. But interestingly enough, while we 
put great preparation and great, uh, you know, planning often into other events. For instance, if we're going to go to a ball game, and I know not many of us get to do that this year, but we often put a lot into it, especially if we're tailgating, but even if we're not, you know, we think about where are we going to park and what time are we going to leave, and, and we have all kinds of details in our minds, or if we're going to go shopping, or if we're going to go hunting, you know, what time are we going to get up, what time do we need to get in, in bed, you know, and and, and we think of all these different things, but often we don't think that with church. And I thought that was very interesting because if you're going to do something every single week, wouldn't you want to make the most of it? I mean, if you guys that I'm looking at here today and those who are watching out there, you know, if you happen to be, I'm here this Sunday and I never, or I'm watching online this Sunday, but I usually never, ever, ever come, well, this is kind of, yes, please listen for the next time you happen to come to church because this message will be good for you too for that next time you come to church. But this is really a message for people who are Christians. I'm not here today saying, uh, giving a message of, here's why you should come to church on Sundays. Although that's a very great message, it's a different message. It's one I could give you from Scripture very easily. There's lots of great reasons to come worship the Lord on Sundays. But that's not this message. This message is, hey, guys, you're here every single Sunday. Or if not here, you're at another church somewhere. Or you're online watching some worship. You're trying to worship somehow. So this message is, if you're doing that already, why not make the most of it? Why not take this experience that you already have every single week of worshiping God, and instead of saying, well, I do it every week, but I just kind of have a meh level experience, why don't I take it and make it all that it could possibly be? So the whole idea of this message today, of this psalm that we read, of what we're going to look at, Maximizing Sundays, is what can I do personally that's not dependent on the music leaders, the praise team, the instrumentalist, the pastor, or even any of the other church members, even my family, but what can I do personally to make my Sunday morning experience the best possible experience it can be next Sunday and for the rest of my life. That's what this message is about. So let's talk about this psalm that we just read. It's a, it's a psalm that's entitled, A Call to Worship and Obedience, Psalm 95. And it's, it's so interesting uh, about this, this, this psalm because it's, it's, a, it's a, a psalm where they were getting ready to worship. And these psalms, there's different types of psalms, and they're not all about worship. Some of them, of the psalms are about, God, would you please get so-and-so, because he's really bothering me, and I want you to take care of him. But that's not one of these kind of psalms. This is a psalm saying, God, this is about worship. We want to worship you. And I want us to look and dig out of this psalm, Psalm 95, three ways, three simple principles 
that we can use to maximize our worship, to make the most of it. First principle is to anticipate the encounter with God. Anticipate the encounter. To look forward to the fact that you are going to meet God himself, the God of the universe. That you're going to be in a place on a Sunday morning where you're going to encounter the divine. You know, if you knew that your favorite singer, your favorite sports star, if you knew that you were getting a backstage pass, if you knew that you were going to get to go into the locker room and you were going to encounter that person and you were going to get their autograph and you were going to get to spend some one-on-one time, you'd be pumped. Let's not lie. And if you're thinking, oh, I don't get into those things. I don't, whatever it is, if you're in the sewing club, whoever the best seamstress is, I don't know what your thing is, but whatever the th- your thing, okay, we all have our thing, all right, unless you're just too cool for everybody. Whatever your thing is, if it's the best businessman or the best stylist or whatever, if you were going to meet with that top-notch person in that field that you really get into, you'd be excited. I don't care how cool you are, how much you think you're, you know, better than others. You'd be excited to meet that person. So how is it that we can be just blasé and bland and, oh, I'm going to church. When we have an opportunity to meet with the maker of the universe. Now, part of it might be, well, I know God and God's present everywhere. And that is true. But yet, the Bible tells us there's something special. There's an extra special concentrated way that God's presence is revealed. Number one, when his people worship, the Lord tells us, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praise of his people. Tells us that in a psalm. And secondly, in the New Testament, Jesus tells us when two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. So the Bible's given us those and plenty of other hints in all other kind of places that while, yes, God is technically present everywhere in the universe, there's nowhere that you can go to hide from his presence. There's nowhere that you've run away from God where you're, you know, all alone. He's always with you. But there is something extra special about gathering in his presence where his presence is in some way concentrated. And I know that's not even the right word to use, but it's the closest I can get to it, okay? And you could say, well, theologically, that might not be the right word. I know it's probably not, but there's something extra, okay, about when you gather together with other believers for worship, God is there in an extra special way way. And you say, well, I don't feel that. You know, just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There's a lot of things that we don't feel. And just because we don't feel it, it doesn't mean it's not there. There's all kinds of things going on in our bodies. We don't know, but science tells us is going on. And so we know about it. But we go on feeling so often, you know, that we buy all kind of products just because of feeling. You know, the, the feel that we get of freshness in our mouth after, of toothpaste, after we brush our teeth with toothpaste, that's just something they add in there because they know we'll buy it. That, doesn't, that feeling doesn't do anything for us. You know, there, there's a, the things we feel with certain 
Uh, the foaming that we feel with shampoo, that has nothing to do with cleaning our hair. Did they add that because it makes us feel good, that our hair is feeling cleaner? Marketers have learned that they can sell us stuff because if we feel something, we think it's true. But the reality is our feelings often uh, are, are not just our feelings. But reality is God says, I'm there in a special way. When you are there, when believers gather together, I'm in a special way. And so we should anticipate. Now think about the way these, these uh, ancient Israelites, what they were doing. They were calling to one another as they were on their way to church, walking up the hill toward Jerusalem, toward the holy city. And they were saying, come, let us worship together. They were calling out to one another. And they would sing songs of praise. And they'd say, let's go shout. Let's, let's go worship. By the way, if you were wondering, oh, that's an old praise song. That, that shout to the Lord that we sang, that's a, that's a throwback. Yes, that was on purpose, right? Okay, because this chapter tells us to shout to the Lord, to get excited. Come on, join in, follow us. Let's go worship. And they would be excited as they walked or as they rode their donkey or their mule or whatever they rode along the way. And, and they were getting ready to approach God's house where they could come and they could worship. And, and they were just excited and they got there to the temple. And, and it just kind of, just a wave of excitement spilled over as they entered the temple into worship. Now compare that to our worship. Is that kind of how it is on Sunday mornings at our houses in America? Do we? Oh, children, it's time for worship on Sunday. Yes, mommy, let's go, you know. And, and uh, we all jump in the car and we start singing hymns together. Yeah, that, that's it, right? That, right? There's, I know that in your houses... Nobody's out in the car honking or threatening to leave, right? There's no shouting. There's no talking about why didn't you put your clothes out the night before or how can you possibly take this long to get ready or you've used up all the hot water or why did you stay out so late the night before? You know, there, there's no you better look happy when you get out of this car and smile like you're a good Christian at church. I mean, I know there's none of that going on at your house. Surely not, right? Okay, unfortunately, unlike these psalmists, as they are joyfully, excitedly entering into worship at the temple, I think most, if we're really honest, since we're in the holidays, let's give us a good example. I think Sunday mornings at our houses are a lot like home alone. Remember when the mom and dad wake up, we overslept, and then they all run around like crazy? That is Sunday morning worship for so many of us. It's, it's almost like it's a surprise. Oh, my gosh. It's Sunday morning. It's worship time again. What are we going to do? And we run around like it's a total shock that we have to get up and go to church. And, and, and we just run around and we get stressed and we fuss it and cuss even, maybe, hopefully not. But we fuss and we stress and we, and we get here and we're dragged out and all of a sudden we paste on our smiles. and Hello, brother so-and-so. Love you in the Lord. And we really, we're just mad at each other and 
and frustrated and, and, you know, we're trying to worship, but we're all strung out because we didn't really come into this anticipating an encounter with God. We just kind of showed up like we were somehow caught off guard that, ooh, here's church. Now think about the way the Hebrews did things. And their calendar days actually began at 6 p.m. the night before. So their Sabbath would start at 6 p.m. and go to 6 p.m. So what if, what if we said our Lord's Day started at 6 p.m. the night before? And so what if we said, hey, family, kids, we want to plan late night stuff. That's awesome. That's cool. Friday night... We can set a late night curfew. That's fine. We'll go out late to movies and concerts on Friday night. We can sleep in on Saturday morning. That's awesome. But how about we make sure that everybody's going to be here for a nice family supper on Saturday night. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal together. And then maybe, you know what, we're going to all, we're going to make sure everybody's clothes are ready. We're going to actually plan and make sure that they're all clean and they're all out. And our younger ones, we may even have an extra outfit just in case somebody has a little slip up or a little burp up or something else going on. And, you know, we're going to actually plan that we're going to turn off the TV at maybe 8 or 9 or somewhere around there. And we're going to kind of calmly, we may even have a family devotion. Wouldn't that be something if we did something like that? You know, it seemed like that church secretary sent out an email that had the, the, the scripture for the sermon. Maybe we'll read that together and think about what the Lord's going to say tomorrow. And, you know, maybe we'll set a, a, a time a, and an extra time, an extra alarm, and make sure we get up. And maybe we'll even talk in the morning and say, hey, what are you wanting? What are you hoping to hear from God in the morning? Who are you hoping to bless and encourage? Maybe we'll talk about that. And maybe we'll leave early enough, and maybe we'll put on some music, some worship music, and turn off the top 40 or the golden oldies, and we'll try to prepare our hearts. And maybe, just maybe, if we did some things to actually anticipate meeting with God and prepare to meet with the God of the universe and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our worship would be different, and our worship would be more. So to maximize your Sunday, the first thing you can do is to actually anticipate it and prepare for it instead of acting like it's a big surprise thing that just happens every Sunday. Secondly, appreciate it. Appreciate God's beauty and blessings. The the second praise song we sang was Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And that is literally, if you know any hymn at all, you know that one. People who do not even know the words to it know the music, probably from a bagpipe. You know, it's, it's, it's out there in movies and in TVs. We, we've all heard that tune It's the most famous Christian song there is, I think. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
And that right there is nothing if it is not appreciation, if it is not gratefulness and thankfulness for the mercy of God on sinners like us. That is what that song is at its very core. All of us are so indebted to God. First of all, he made us. And that's a big thing in this, in this psalm. They say, come, let us bow before our maker. God, you are our creator. Lord, you hold the world in your hands. God, you, ha- you own everything. You made us who we are. And then as Christians, we know he not only made us, but he redeemed us. His amazing grace saved us from our sinful nature. And you and I have to learn how important it is to come before him, not only that we get to see God, but we get to thank him. We get to come into this house and say, oh, God, I messed up a lot this week. But Lord, your grace, by your grace, you haven't given up on me. You haven't tossed me out. You haven't said, you're done. I'm putting in this next string. You're on the bench now. Or you're fired. Take your services elsewhere. You know, you haven't gotten rid of me like the world gets rid of people in a snap. In any field and every field, it's, what have you done for me lately? And, and when, when you're out, you're out. When you're no good, you're gone. But God doesn't do that with us. God, in his grace, when we mess up, when we screw up, when we do all the things we shouldn't, he keeps on loving us. And we have so many reasons for who God is and for what he has done to be thankful. And I'm not just saying that because this is the time of the year where we give lip service to thankfulness. I'm saying all year long, God has called us to come into his presence with thanksgiving. There is never a Sunday that you should go into those doors or the doors of any sanctuary or involve enter into any form of worship, private or public or even online, without saying, God, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. There's an old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. You ever do that? Sometimes I do that every once in a while. I'll just start sitting down and, and naming off blessings. God, you've done this for me and this for me and this for me. And if there's ever a pause, because I can go on and on and on and not run out, but if there ever is a pause, you know what that pause is about? It's not for lack of blessings. It's, for a, it's a lack of mindfulness on my part. It's a lack of appreciation. It means that I have let that idea, that blessing, I've let it go under the radar. And I've gotten it out of my mind how grateful and thankful I should be. And that means I need to do some more of those counting my blessings. So you and I, we need to to make the most of our Sundays. Not only look forward and anticipate But we need to appreciate as we come into God's presence, it needs to be with thankfulness, with appreciation, with praise. Finally, the third and final point I want to make here today has to do with active participation in worship. That we come in and we say, I'm here to actively participate, to actively engage in 
worship. <clears throat> when we come to church, and by the way, even saying it that way is not really correct. We don't really come to church. We are the church, by the way. The church is the assembly. If you're a, uh, if you're a superhero person and you get excited by the word Avengers Assemble, then you should get excited about the word church because the word church can also be said saints assemble. That's exactly what church is, saints assemble. Believers congregate. Saints come together for God's purpose, to worship him, to fellowship, to build up one another, so then you can go out into the world and change and transform this world, glorify God, share his message, do what he wants you to do. But we come into this place to worship God and to be built up so that we can go out and do his purposes and change this world. We do not come into this place to sit, to soak, and to sour. This is not a place of passivity. This is not a place where there's an audience out there and there's a stage up here where those of us up here are performers and out here is audience. If you have that in your mind, you got the whole idea of church wrong. Okay, Similar buildings and auditoriums might be categorized that way. But in a church... You know where the, quote, stage is? All of it. All of us are actively participating, and the audience is God. We worship for an audience of one. Every single one of us is worshiping for him. I, I don't worship for anybody else. Now, there's some of us who kind of direct me and Philip and others. We kind of try to help and lead and guide to kind of unify what we're doing to get on the same page. But we are just helpers in the process. God is the one who is the audience. He is the one that we are worshiping all of us together in this place, whether it's Preaching or listening to preaching or praying or singing, all of it is a part of worshiping Him. And so we actively participate in worship. Unfortunately, a great number of Christians misunderstand this. Some denominations put ministers on separated from other believers in such a way that they are in somehow like some special ones who are the only ones who really worship. But that's not what the Bible tells us ministers are supposed to do. The Bible tells us that God gave apostles and prophets and teachers and all evangelists and, and, and pastors and all these things to what? To build up the body of Christ to do the ministry. That is, all of us who are leaders, we're simply equippers or enable, enablers, equippers, so that every one of us can do God's ministry, that every one of us can do God's work. All of us 
are worshiping. All of us are ministering. We come into worship to actively participate. When these Jews were walking up, ascending the hill of Jerusalem and going toward the temple, there wasn't a soloist who was standing there singing by himself while everyone else gathered around and, oh, what a fine voice he has. No. They were all gathered together. The ones who were right on pitch and the ones who had no idea what pitch was. The joyful noises and the ugly noises. All of them together were walking, raising hands, shouting, praising, praying, actively participating in worship. Go back and take your time after this service and read and listen to how many verbs there are and their active tense for you grammarians. They are not passive tense. None of them are sit there and take it. They're all do it, worship, sing, kneel, shout, praise. They're all calling us to actively participate in worship. You are not showing up and buying a seat to spectate. Rather, you are coming to participate, to actively be a part of worshiping God. And that is what he has called you to do. This makes all the difference in the world. Because if you confuse what you are, you will take on a very selfish and self-centered attitude. The average American Christian is confused. And so they sit here and say, feed me. Kind of like little shop of horrors, you know? Feed me, Seymour. Or you can picture a baby in a, in a baby chair. They're just, they're up there in the high chair feed me, feed me, you know, just waiting, open mouth, uh, feed me, like they're totally helpless, nothing but just sitting there demanding, fussing when they don't get their way. You ask people, oh, why haven't you been to church, or why are you going somewhere else now? I wasn't fed. I wasn't getting fed. I had to leave. I wasn't fed. And you're like, but you're 36. Why are you in a high chair? Why are you wearing a diaper? Why, why is applesauce dribbling down your face? Why are you saying, feed me? What's wrong with you? Aren't you grown? Are you two years old? And yet they're saying, feed me. Nobody fed me. Because they thought that coming to church is sitting down and saying, feed me. When God said, you come with other believers and join together and actively worship me. Worship is a verb. Worship is a passion. It is an action. It is something that you do. It is not something that someone can do to you or do for you. You must do it yourself. So let's think about this whole thing. Maximizing worship. You really have a choice. 
I've laid it out there. Now, I could give you more details. You could call me next week and say, I want to come into the office, and, and I want to get some more tips and some fine points about how I can do this even more. And we could talk about that, and that would be great. But, but I'm giving you the, the, the biggies right here. Okay, what it comes down to, though, is not you saying amen, not you nodding your head, not you saying, writing a note down or saying, yeah, that's good. What it comes down to is, are you going to do it or not? Not even agreeing. I mean, agreeing is good, but people agree with a lot of things. Like, we agree that children shouldn't starve. We agree about a lot of stuff, but do we do anything about it? Okay, so I hope you agree, but I'm going to ask you, are you going to do anything about it? There's a place down in Laurel, Mississippi called Landrum's Country. I I like this place a lot. It's an old village or a recreation of an ancient village. And you can see a blacksmith. You can see how people mined for gold. You can see all kinds of things, how life used to be like in the 1700s. And when I was on Facebook... uh, A thing popped up, one of those memory things. You know how those work? And so I got one from seven years ago when I went with Courtney's class. Um, So she might be about to get embarrassed, possibly. Uh, When I went with her sixth grade class uh, over there. And so there's me and Courtney. And uh, we're in the stockade. Now, it's interesting At the bottom, I know this screen is is not too bright. At the bottom, it says Landrum's Homestead, and there's there's me and Courtney in the stockade. And at the top, it lists our crime. And the crime said, stayed out too late. Now, that's sad, right? We We were really bad guys. We stayed out too late. And I really wondered, you know, back in some puritanical days, if you really might could get put in the stockade for staying out too late. But here's the real deal. In real life, at least in present life, nobody's going to come to your house at 10 o'clock on Saturday night and fuss at you and say, hey, you better slow things down. You You better turn things off and start making sure you get a good night's sleep. No, nobody, I'm not going to call you on Friday and say, hey, are you really planning and working to make the most out of Worship on Sunday, nobody's going to enforce this on you but you. How much do you really value not just the habit and routine of coming to church so that you can check it off the list and say, I'm a good person, and tell your mother or mother-in-law and she won't fuss at you, but how much do you really care about making the most of your experience with God on Sunday morning For you and for your family. Because that question will be answered by what you do. Not what you say, not how much you nod your head, but will I maximize my time by actively worshiping, by preparing ahead of time, by praising God, Because if you will do those three simple things, I don't care if my preaching is a bore and Philip has the worst musical day of his life. And if everything else is a mess and the technology is completely terrible, you'll have the best encounter with God you've ever had. 
because you've prepared to encounter God and I guarantee he will show up and meet you and you will leave this place a changed person. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to ask your forgiveness for the many times that I've popped into this place not really completely prepared to meet you. I've been prepared with the sermon outline. I've been prepared with all my duties. But if I'm honest in my heart of hearts, God, I know there's times when my heart has not been completely prepared to meet you. And that's wrong. And Father God, I come before you and Lord, I ask for myself and for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are in that boat with me. I praise you for those who aren't. Lord, for those who already have this down. Lord, I thank you for them. And Lord, I pray that they, that will follow their example better. God, that we'll catch on what they've already got. But, Father, for those of us who need some work, Lord, help us to make this more than simply a desire but a pattern in our life where we don't come to this place simply out of duty, obligation, or habit. But, Father, we come urgently desiring, passionately seeking, anticipating to meet you and to see your face. God, that we come into this place overwhelmed with gratitude for what you've done. And we come into this place with nothing less than all of us given wholly and completely in worship to you. And God, as we sing this next hymn, God, may we reflect on what we have heard from your word and may we commit ourselves to being more obedient, to being closer to you, to knowing you more, to drawing closer to you, to blessing others and to blessing you more, to leading our family and our friends, our church and our community by our example in ways that are pleasing you in paths of life. Thank you again for your grace and your mercy that you do not give up on us when we fail you. Thank you for all of your second chances, God. And Lord, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.